Welcome to the High Impact Man podcast. High impact men from across the nation sharing their stories of inspiration, encouragement, and hope to help others become the virtuous leaders they are called to be and that our nation desperately needs. All right. Well, we're back with another episode of the High Impact Man podcast. I'm glad all of you out there listening can join us. Our goal here is to try to give you some kind of motivation, inspiration, hope if you need it, um, and just a, a good time listening to a high impact man come on the show and tell his story. Uh, we're, we're excited about our guest today. Um, I am your host, Nevin Gorky, known as DFib and the Gloom to his F3 brothers. I'm joined by my co-host, Troy Klinger, otherwise known as Dial Up in the Gloom. Dial Up, how you doing today? I'm doing pretty good at uh, trying to figure out this weather. Isn't it a little crazy lately? We have 70 degrees. Well, no, we had cold rain, then we had 70 degrees, then snow again today. It's yeah. like throwing my system all in a in a funk. Yeah, crazy. It was 72 and sunny on Sunday, and it, uh, it's Wednesday now, and it's we got, I don't know how many inches of snow on the ground, and it's in the 30s, low 30s again. But that's Pennsylvania for you lately. I don't know. I love this global warming, don't you? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> totally crazy. Um yeah, and the other interesting thing is uh, Dial-Up had a bear running through his backyard this week. So this is Pennsylvania, man, the land of the ice and snow and bears that roam wild. That's right. All right. Well, we, we are joined today by our guest. Uh, his name is Tom Hayes. He's known as Banjo in the gloom to his brothers in F3 down where it all began. Uh, Banjo, he's a, I guess a little bit of a intro on him because he's going to tell his story, but... Uh, he was a soccer star. He played high school soccer, and he played a year for the Commodores. Did I get that? I think I got that nickname right, Vanderbilt. You, you nailed that right. All right, the Commodores. Um, and uh, ODP for a while, that's a pretty big deal. Uh, and then he, uh, he moved on, and uh, now he uh, is a uh, perfectly described F3 evangelist, uh, troubadour. Uh, and I'll just tell you, um, as a troubadour for F3, uh, and for those of you who are listening who aren't part of F3, F3 is a national, now worldwide movement for men. It um, stands for Fitness, Fellowship, and Faith. And uh, what we do is we plant, grow, and serve small workout groups for men for the invigoration of male community leadership. And uh, we're going to talk a lot about that. But if you are not part of F3, first of all, if you're a man, then hopefully we can convince you to find an F3 region near you to join. Secondly, um, it doesn't matter if you are or not right now because you can really be blessed by listening to uh, Banjo's story today. But uh, Banjo is what we, they called a troubadour. So when we planted our shovel flag, in other words, we started a region here in Danville, Pennsylvania. After a few months, I found out about these troubadours, and I thought, we got to get a guy come up here, and they would make visits to existing regions, usually what we call a mustard seed, a, a fairly new place. And he came up here and spent the weekend with us, a Friday night dinner with our shared leadership team, and then he cued the workout, led the workout on Saturday morning, had a breakfast afterwards for question and answer time, and just got to know the guy, and it's awesome. And I could tell you that, you know, some people do that stuff, and they do it, and they go away, and that's it. Banjo is genuine, man. He genuinely cares about people. We stayed in touch. He stayed in touch with a number of the PAX members, not just the, the goofy old leader here, but, um, but we stayed in touch for a while now, and hopefully we get to tell this story today, too. It was instrumental in helping us get the Nantans of Pennsylvania together to have uh, the first ever Keystone Convergence last year. We got all the F3 regions in Pennsylvania together in Harrisburg for a really cool weekend. So that is the introduction. I'll start off, Banjo, by asking you uh, the usual question we ask F3 guys, which is uh, how did you get 
involved in F3? Who EH'd you? How did you get your name Banjo? Um, I had two guys EH me. One of them was more successful than the other. A uh, friend of mine at church, when I was trying to rope him into helping me with a father-daughter dance at church, it immediately turned into F3, and I really wasn't sure of where this was going. Um, at the time, I was not in shape and did not feel like I was ready to do something like that. Um, as we now know, that's kind of really unnecessary thinking, but I really wasn't ready for it at that point in time. Several months passed, uh, got into February. We had some snow on the ground. I'm out at a local park sledding with my, my girls. And there was another guy out there uh, with his son and they did not have a sled. I offered my girls to take him because his son was really young at the time and they went sledding and he and I started talking and something he said led me to answer, is that that F3 thing or that F thingy? Mm -hmm. And he's like, yes, F3. Where'd you hear about it? And I told him, well, I heard it from Cody Hand from church. He's like, uh, oh, yeah, wonk. And, and, and uh, yeah, he's a friend of mine. He's like, why don't you do this? And we've been talking long enough. He knew I was my interest was already there. Mm -hmm. He said, look, I will pick you up tomorrow morning at, 620 or whatever time it was and we'll go work out. And I said, I'm in. And there, at the time it's 32 degrees rising up to maybe 35 during the day. So we're getting that like slushy snow and it's about four or five inches deep and go to a park. And it was miserable because it was all slush. And we did 10 minutes of Mary sitting in slush. Um, but when they gave me my name, I just mentioned, first of all, it's all stereotypes. I'm from Kentucky they asked some questions, uh, what do you like to do? And I was, other than playing soccer, and they told me to just keep going. And so it was, uh, I like to camp, I like to hunt, like outdoors, like to canoe. And they're like, deliverance. <laughs> well, deliverance was at the workout. Um, so they threw out banjo. And that's how banjo stuck. But the uh, the guy who finally eh me was CK, who's been at uh, posting with Raleigh since day one. And he actually got named by Dredd. Cool. Now, um, you so you are from the Carpex region, correct? That is correct. Yeah. So Carpex is Carpex. Excuse me, is where it all kind of started. These guys are are kind of crazy too. You know, we we did this thing called the Blue Ridge Relay, and their team just walked around with stickers saying Carpex versus the world, and just sticking it on everybody's vans. You know, wherever <laughs> they could. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure. Uh, you know, that's a that's a pretty cool idea actually, but uh, that's that's pretty neat. Well, tell I me more stickers if you want some. Yeah, <laughs> I think we need to get our own. We're going to make our own stickers yeah. this year. Uh, we got to come up with something different, though. That's right. Yeah. Um, so tell me, um, let's go back a little bit further. So where where did you grow up? Tell us about what it was like where you grew up and how you grew up. Okay. Um, born in Nashville, Tennessee, but at a very early age, moved to a small town in western Kentucky called Hopkinsville, Kentucky. Um Family moved. There was reasons for that. My mom's family owned a newspaper back in town. Is my dad at the time was between jobs, between textile jobs. Um, so we had a lot of roots there. So we moved back to Kentucky, and I pretty much lived there through high school, and then uh, after college for a number of years. Um, out growing up there, it was kind of anybody that listens to this is is small town. I mean, mm. you know. Uh, riding bikes freely to school as a 
elementary and middle schooler, didn't have to worry about much. Door stayed unlocked, played, you know, going outside during the day, you'd go out and come home for lunch and go back out. And it sounds kind of cliche to say that, but that's pretty much what life was. And just lived outside, climbing trees, playing in rivers and creeks and going to the club, swimming and lots of outdoor activities. Uh, Learn how to do a lot of things like fishing and hunting at a very early age. And unlike a lot of guys around here that are big into golf, I never touched a golf club until I was probably in college. Uh, Mom and dad just weren't into those things, but we did a lot of stuff on down at my grandfather's farm um, and just hanging out at friends' farms and riding four wheelers, motorcycles. I don't know. I love the outdoors, grew up in the outdoors and that's what most of it was like. Yeah, very cool. Um, and then you went on to college to Vanderbilt, right? Yes. Uh, yeah, I will say this. Uh, growing up, education was very important to my parents or important for us to have. Neither one of my parents ever graduated college. Um, but it was very important for the children to go to college. And uh, my grades were good enough to get me in. And I was like, by damn, that's where I'm going. And uh, could have gone to some other schools, probably would have had just as good a time, but maybe my ego had the best of me, and I was like, that's where I went. Plus, uh, I knew I could make the soccer team, talk to the coach, even though, um, long story short, that probably wasn't the best place for me to play soccer. Um, But I knew I could get on the team if I worked hard and tried hard. Um, It was a great time. Soccer was not the end all at school. I think, I think school for me was besides learning was having a really good time. Yeah, I could do a really good job of making B's. Hmm. Making an A required a lot of effort, <laughs> which, which, which impeded upon my like partying and having a good time. Yeah, if you just replace soccer with basketball, and you just you just describe my college experience. Although I didn't play at a Division One level. In fact, I didn't play college basketball at all. I, I was recruited by some D3 schools, but I never actually played, but, you know, intramurals right. and all that. But, yeah, that's, uh, that, that's kind of sounds familiar to me. Um, well, that's cool. What position did you play in the soccer team? Uh, midfield was my primary. Um, growing up in Kentucky, in my earlier years, like when I first started, I, I started all four years of high school, and my brother – was a senior when I was a freshman. He was the center mid, mid, and I was the only guy that could use their left foot. So I was left mid, even though I was right footed. Mm-hmm. Uh, so once he graduated, then I moved over to center mid. Did some stints at defense, but that was only when we played really good teams, and I would basically like man mark somebody when, once they got in our half of the field. But other than that, I was mostly a midfielder nice. and usually played right or left. Once I got in onto better teams, that's where his conditioning endurance training all got started, right? Yeah, dude, you'd run. <laughs> I, I literally, I've always, even in soccer games, I've always been able to run like nonstop. Yep. And um, but I was always a faster runner. I'm I'm really slow now, but um, but I mean, from soccer, I always had maybe the fast twitch muscles or something. Um, but I think I'm slow. I'm slowing that twitch down a little bit. <laughs> They're still fast twitch, but now I think they refer to them as old twitch is what it is. <laughs> old twitch. Yeah, old twitch. I've got, I've got old fibers. twitch muscle. <laughs> I take any twitch. 
right now. <laughs> but that's uh, anyway. Yeah, you want to you want to be fast? Come right, run next to me. Um, well, that's pretty cool, man. So you got involved with F three. Tell us about your family. I've uh, got a well. I always say this up front. Uh, I'm kind of vulnerable to people in case, you know, let people know it's okay to say these things. Uh, and you guys know. So I, I'm divorced. I have a child from a prior marriage. Um, wonderful lady in, in many regards. We had, she was kind of a spirit like me. She loved to do all kinds of things. I mean, she was a better rock climber than I was. And just, um, if it came to mountain biking or hiking or being outdoors or deer hunting, she wanted to do it all. And uh, we had a really great time, raised a wonderful child together. So our child together, oldest is my oldest, 26, lives out in Denver, Colorado. She's an architect. And then um, that marriage did not end so well. And I ended up getting remarried to um, someone who was, she's a little bit younger than I am, but we were friends. Um, and she would actually sometimes hang out with us when I was married and, and it never occurred to me to ask her out just because she's, I've always, I've known her since she was like a little girl. She was just a friend. Um, but at the suggestion of my mom, I asked her out and long story short, we got married and that'll be 21 years, uh, this September 15th coming up and I got married four days after nine 11. And Sarah and I have two daughters, one that's 19, one that's 18. Um, my 19 year old is at Queens university in Charlotte, North Carolina, though she's taking a semester off living in Savannah with my sister and having a, I don't know. I don't see it. I mean, she's working hard. She's paying all her own bills. She's got two jobs mm. and she's having a really good time. I think, I think taking time off from school has been great. And then our youngest daughter, Carter, is a freshman at Appalachian State in Boone, North Carolina. Both of you have been in there before. Mm. Maybe not in town, but you have been in Boone technically. Yep. And it's a mountain town that it, it's, gets the, I think it gets the most snowfall of North Carolina. Um, beautiful area. And she's been my, she's really, it, it, it's an interesting situation. She's a chemistry major, wants to get into um, get her doctorate in pharmacology and she's home for spring break. She's like, I don't want to go to the beach with everybody. I see everybody all the time. I, I just need to get away. I want to see you too. So there's the charge nurse at night tonight at the hospital. My wife's an emergency room nurse at the hospital and she's charge nurse tonight. And she's like, Carter, I got it arranged. If you want to shadow the pharmacist tonight, she said, you could find, shadow her. And with me as a charge nurse, I can kind of pull you in on all the other stuff that might happen as it comes along. So my daughter is so excited. She's working tonight and tomorrow night while Sarah's charge. And, um, so they headed off. I made them both dinner and food off and off they went to work and their scrubs. Hopefully it's a fun, exciting night in the ER. See <laughs> <laughs> yeah, some really cool stuff. Yeah. Don't be surprised if, if Sarah uh, Carter comes back and says, I think I might want to be a nurse now. Uh, she does not like blood. Okay, well. So that might be out. Yeah. I hope she doesn't see too much cool stuff. To might not end well. There's plenty of cool stuff that happens in a hospital that doesn't require a lot of blood. That's true. That is true. No doubt about it. Um, well, that's cool, man. So you got involved with F3 and tell me, you know, you said you weren't in shape when you got involved with F3. So what happened when you got involved there and how has F3 helped you? 
Um, so I've always been a little active, even after I quit, after I got cut from the soccer team, I started a club team at Vandy and I've, I've played club soccer continuously up until the age of 49. And it was, a, I quit. I'm going to kind of jump into a different story here in a second. About two months after my sobriety date. Um, and that was just because I needed to hang out with some different people at the time. So I quit it at the age of 49. But I've always kind of run, even even when I was doing a lot of drinking and so forth. But I got really heavy. Um, from where I am now, I was like 44 than I am. I mean, I had thick jowls. I'm size 36 pants. I was a big guy. And, and I was that big when I started F3, but I could still do it. Um, but, uh, getting, getting involved with these guys is, it's been life changing in that, you know, you guys know it, but for me hanging around, it was like, it was like all the best of the locker room playing high school sports or college sports without some coach, like, barking at you because you're doing something wrong or you need to improve this. It's on a good time. There was guys out there pushing it. And there was guys in the back like me that were barely hanging on, but it was the camaraderie that pulled me back. And it was the joking and the, just the fellowship of men. And it was before a lot of these books free to lead and the Q source and all this stuff. But even then all, really in play then that just aren't, they just weren't really formalized at that point in time. Um, men were sharing just deep concerns and, you know, guys just going up and hugging one another. That's what I need right now. Mm -hmm. Cause I, I mean, my good friends of men that I really good friends, probably like three or four. And, you know, I joke about with my brother. I mean, I probably have, you know, really, really close friends. I probably got like a hundred, 150. Yeah. Um, and then anybody that wears an F3, you know, that, that, that waves the F3 flag, I feel an instant bond. Like, okay, I'm willing to share everything with you if you want to hear it. Or I'm, I'm, I'm willing to be vulnerable to these guys because mm. I know they, they wouldn't be in it if they didn't care. Um, and that's is just hanging around a bunch of guys that care. And it, it's not this selfish, like, how can I promote myself and make myself better? Maybe at your expense. Um, it's just, they really want you to do the best that you can do and they're going to carry you forward. Mm -hmm. And that's what really what's propelled me in this. And, uh, it's kind of like, I think I put in that bio that I sent you. Um, you know, probably one of my best friends, Bart Filippiak. Um, and I knew I wanted to meet him when he had done this 10 mile run we call the Maynard. And it had been kind of like floating around in my head, and it kind of pissed me off that he did it before I did it. Hmm. Um, and I, but I liked his, like, that's what I want to do, and he went. And uh, so we kind of started working out together and found out that we both really enjoy doing like really difficult things together. Um, he's a much different personality than me. He's very detailed. 
I'm more of a fly by the seat of, the, seat of your pants kind of guy. But when it comes to doing things, we both just sit down and like map it out, plan it out and go for it. Um, but it's meeting people like him, uh, meeting people like you. I mean, you know, dial up you and I don't talk as much, uh, but you know, DFib and I, you know, I tell people we probably average a conversation at least once a month. Yeah. And, uh, and, and I, and it's genuine, it's real. I mean, we know each other's family. We know each stuff about our kids. Um, you know, it, it's a relationship that that's not just passing because I was in, in Pennsylvania as a troubadour. I mean, it's going to go beyond that. And there are relationships like that all across the country that are being developed, not just with me and you guys, but with other men. And, and it's just men finding other men to hang out with that really care. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. That's really well said. And it's, and it's genuine. I mean, it really is. That looked good. We, we, we talked about that in an earlier episode, right? When we talked about us getting together with the Princeton guys for the Blue Ridge Relay and how you just instantly had this friendship. It's like, you know, yeah. you never met these guys before other than we had like what, two zoom calls just to kind of take care of details. But like it was this instant bond and friendship, like immediately, as soon as you got in the van, it's like you had that connection. Um, and it's, it's hard to describe what it's like, but, but you're, you're spot on as far as those, you know, that wall of uncertainty or, you know, kind of having a little bit of a, you know, kind of a wall up between you and these guys. It's like, it's instantly tore down and it's like, you're just open to just share, be friends, talk, um, not have to prove yourself in any way. It's, it's, yeah, it's like I said, tough to describe, but it's, it's a cool thing if you've experienced it. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Well, I was going to, I was going to add, I mean, like, so, you know, somebody who's done this, what we do, can y'all hear me? Cause I think pause for a moment, but you, you know, when you know, somebody's done what we've done and you know, you guys say there's five inches of snow or however many inches of snow, we don't have snow down, but we did. And, you know, you instantly have this bond, this shared memory. And, and though I don't have the shared memory of this morning's five inch snow workout, I know exactly what that's like. Mm-hmm. And, you know, sometimes it's not fun or, or, you know, you're sitting in slush and you don't like it. And at the same time, the, the banner that's going on is just tremendous. So when you meet those guys from Princeton, yeah, you hadn't worked out with them, but they've been doing the same thing you're, you've been doing. So you start from a common ground and then you're just building an out, like you're reverse engineering an onion. You start from the middle and it just starts, it grows. Yep. There's shares, shared values. Mm-hmm. And, um, share an understanding. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, and it's, it's something that the men in America are obviously desperately lacking. If you look at the studies that are out there for a number of years now, how many men don't have close male friendships and they're, they're leading lives of kind of loneliness and despair and, you know, purposelessness and, uh, and what they really need is it something like this. If it's not F3, then please find something else. But, um, but what Banjo does is he goes out and brings guys together. I mean, he's he what he's just described is real, but he lives it. I mean, he he didn't just act as a troubadour coming up here like I mentioned earlier. He put us together. Um, I think I shared I shared my idea with you about a, a Keystone convergence. Next thing you know, Banjo's talking to Uptown Girl from Lehigh Valley, and next and then uh, you know I don't know where it's going to go, and then Banjo just arranged a, a Zoom call for all the Nantans in Pennsylvania. So let's talk about it. 
and uh, and so he he brings guys together, and and uh, that's that's part of what you referred to earlier. There was a book written by the guys that founded F three called Freed to Lead, but that is the mission of F three is to invigorate male community leadership, saying, "Hey, you can go lead, man. You know what are you going to do? You got a good idea? Let's let's see what we can do to help you." And uh, and he put it together, and we had a great time. Now we're planning the second one for this summer. Uh, I don't yeah, I deliberately stayed off the calls because I, I mean, like, all right, y'all just run with it because y'all don't need me doing that. I mean, it's got its own, it's got its own legs now. Yeah, absolutely, and uh, and it's been the planning is going well so far. So we're gonna have our second one. So those of you listen to us, uh, we're gonna have it in Harrisburg again. It was really cool, and uh, basically we're gonna repeat sort of the same format what, that we did last year, which is gonna be an evening meal on Friday followed by an overnight ruck. We're gonna have. Uh, a, at least two hour, I can't remember if it was two or three hours now, but two or three hour beat down Saturday morning with kind of a traveling queue with different guys uh, queuing at different spots. And then uh, we're going to have lunch with some speakers and guys are going to give us a talk. And and, and this year, uh, the idea was instead of having one guy stand up there and talk for 15 or 20 minutes, we're going to have a couple, uh, two or three guys share their stories, kind of like what we're doing here on the podcast and uh, what F3 means to them. And then we do a service project uh, after lunch. So um, that's a little plug for the Keystone Convergence this year, June 24th, 25th, if I have those dates right, Friday and Saturday. Um, so anyway, look for that on Twitter and all the other places that we sort of talk about stuff. Um, that's amazing, dude. And, uh, you know, uh, I I learned a lot from you, uh, not just about, you know, F3 and stuff like that. We were, we were doing pretty well, but you really were a catalyst for us. But I remember when you came up here, we had planted the shovel flag in May of 2020 when we were allowed to meet outside again after the pandemic started. And I think you came up right. in like September. Is that about right? Somewhere around? No, there? it was January. January. I'm sorry. It was 14 months ago. Oh, okay. 14 months ago. All right. January. So like, like January 9th, 17th or something like that. Yeah. So you have a better memory than me. But what I do remember is Banjo stayed at my house and he said, we're going to get up and go for a run before the workout. And I said, what? <laughs> of course dial up was in and we had two other guys join us so we went for uh, uh i don't know about dial up and banjo went further than i did with g-ray but uh like i think i mm-hmm. did about a mile and a half you guys did about three mile pre-run before the workout wasn't, like, wasn't lionheart out there that morning? he was lionheart was, lionheart out, yeah. was out there limping along he's a, a fellow that uh lost a lot of weight but he was he was really overweight but he had a bad leg and he was out there limping and jogging and walking and uh, that's why he's called Lionheart, the heart of a lion. But, uh, but anyway, yeah. So just so you know, you probably know this already, but the, we haven't stopped doing that. I mean, I'm still going out for pre-runs now, especially when I signed up for the BRR right after, uh, you yeah. know, shortly after you left us, cause I knew how to put the work in. So thank you for that. Anyway, now, every, now, you know, my wife thought I was crazy to begin with. Now she really thinks I'm crazy. I think he was the inspiration too, to get us to launch more workouts right because i think at that point we only had saturdays and mondays i think you're right yeah and then next thing you know there was wednesdays and yeah, fridays no, and tuesdays and thursdays now so yeah you you inspired us to step up the game just a little bit yeah we're not you we're know not, we're, we're not a lot a lot of guys because y'all were so new i mean and y'all were picking it up pretty quick but a lot of the new guys the, the free to lead concept is is an odd one to fully understand, especially as we grow up in a corporate world and we're waiting for somebody to give us a blessing to say, yes, we can do it. And, you know, now everybody that's been around you is, um, you know, when, 
they're expecting leadership from the top and they don't really understand that your job is really just to free them up so that they can do what they were born to do in the first place, which is lead. Yeah. And, uh, but it's a, it's a novel concept that most people, I mean, I have to say myself when I started my first AO, AO I, with, uh, another guy, um, I was like looking for somebody to say it was okay to do so. And he's like, no, we're just going to do it. And, uh, you know, we're going to talk about it with a couple of guys to make sure that, you know, we got some buy-in with the guys that will participate and everybody loved the idea and we just did it. Mm -hmm. And, but you know, once people really understand that they really can do what they want to do, um, then they learn how to do it better and do a better job of, you know, getting people behind it, supporting it, you know, and some things, some things might fail, um, or, you know, whatever, it doesn't really matter, but, you know, go out and try and do, and do the best you can to make it happen. Yeah. And so, you know, let me ask you this question based on that. So what have you, uh, how has F being part of F3 and being part of, uh, this whole thing that we just talked about, how has it helped you be become a better leader in at home, at work and in the community? Um, first was I'd mentioned I'm a recovering alcoholic. So there's always a level of shame and guilt that I carried with me. Um, and I even carried the alcoholism for a year into F3. Um, but as I was doing it, even though I was drinking, I was gaining, uh, some of that guilt and shame. It was always there, but I had more confidence in myself. Um, and then once I finally quit drinking, uh, you know, when you lead a workout with a bunch of guys and, you know, it's kind of locker room talk, they're giving you a bunch of grief, uh, just busting your chops left and right. And that used to really bother me. Mm-hmm. And I'd want to, my first several cues or leading a workout, I would plan it so that everybody's tongue would just be dragging so that <laughs> nobody would talk. Cause I didn't want anybody talking because it bothered me so much. Right. Yeah, I love dishing it out, but I, I wasn't the best at taking it. And uh, now I love it. I mean, to me, the mumble chatter in Carpex is, is just, it's, it's really up there. We do a lot of messing with the leader of each workout. Mm-hmm. We mess with each other pretty hard. But I think what that does is it makes us better leaders. Um, and where I've found that applies in the real world is at my job in very difficult or stressful situations when they happen. I don't, you know, my, my blood pressure does not elevate, mm-hmm. ignore a lot of the discussion that really is meaningless on the task at hand and the task, whatever that task is, it's much easier to stay focused on it and not get lost in a lot of this other side conversation where people's emotions are running rampant. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel much more confident looking people in the eye. Dude, let's, let's go into a staring game. I'm not talking about the bl- no blinking thing, but I can like look you out of eye and it doesn't bother me. Um, and it used to really kind of intimidate me. Um, so there's a lot of confidence I carried for all those years is really gone. And that really happened. Uh, it may have been four, uh, maybe five years of the bread a week or two after Easter. Um, it was a 
and the two guys leading it were at the time were also our were our third FQs. And for those listening, it's the guys that were leading the uh, the faith portion of what we do. And asked me to talk about what F three meant to me. Really knew I drank, and one guy suspect none of the other guys had ever seen me drunk before. So I really don't think they ever suspected it. And I remember coming out and telling them, and I'll bleep this out, being scared to tell a bunch of guys that I'm an alcoholic. And every one of them came up and gave me a hug. And within the next day or so, several guys came up and started talking to me about they think they may have a problem. Mm -hmm. But they also, you know, they they love me, and they're like, dude, that's awesome. Um, And that help just rid so much of that fears think so much of you mm-hmm. and they're not judging you on these past indiscretions because they know what you're capable of doing. So, um, so what after it, it's, it's built confidence, it's built vulnerability. It's listener. It's helped me laugh more. Um, to be more jovial with my wife, with my kids, with my friends. Um, and, uh, really be, you know, there for other people and maybe be there for when they need lifting up to lift them up, just like other men lifted me up. Hmm. That's awesome. Everybody needs, uh, everybody needs a banjo in their life, you know, or somebody that can inspire them. And, and, you know, we all need a, we all have something, right? We all have some issue. If we don't, we're, right. we will have one. Uh, you know, we, F3 calls it the flux, things that happen, things you struggle with, whatever. Uh, we all have a past. Who knows what happens and it happened to other guys' past and what they're dealing with. So when you're uh, at work or anywhere, you know, you're, you're, you're driving your car and somebody in front of you isn't doing what you want them to do and you're getting mad at them, um, you just remember, you know, that um, everybody's got their own story and sometimes they're dealing with some serious stuff and, um Anyway, you know, for me as a Christian, I just keep remembering I got to be like Jesus, and I fail every day, but I keep trying. I'm still yeah, trying. Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, you reach over and you, you you lend a hand to that leper or that that person on the side of the road that you know everybody that's quote your leader tells you, well, he needs help. Yeah, I'm gonna be there for that guy. Yeah. And. uh because you, you don't know where that guy is. You don't know what his, his – I mean, that that could be the next leader. That could be the next person that is there to lift you up. You don't know. But even if it's not, if they lift the next guy up, so be it. That's even better. Right. Well, um, you did mention – we're kind of talking about faith a little bit. Tell me, how has your faith uh, sort of been impacted by F3, or how does your faith affect – uh, how you lead and, you know, and the things that you do? Um, so I grew up in a church, but we really, it was more of a formality growing up. And it wasn't until I got divorced that I really kind of immersed myself in it. And it, and it, and that all stemmed from a college roommate of mine that I was like, I won't, um, cause he just, he was like the man that we see every day when we work out. Back then, there just weren't men like that. I mean, he was just, he was always fun to be around, always helped out people, uh, just lived life to its fullest. 
and uh, and I wanted what he had, and I knew he went to church. So I started like digging into it, and uh, I had this pastor growing up, and he gave me a Myers Briggs test with the results all related to Christianity. And, and I'm one that questions everything. I've always been taught, um, trust, but verified, dig into the details, get to understand it, which is great in many regards, but as it comes with a straight up faith, it makes it very difficult for me to just accept things without touching, seeing them without a tactile feel to them. Uh, Maybe you should have been called Thomas. <laughs> what the Maybe you should have been called yeah, Thomas. Gavin Thomas. Everybody's always called me Downing Thomas. Called me up. And, uh, and, uh, there are areas. So, you know, I learned, I learned how I look at religion or, or Christianity. And I realized I look at things differently based upon my personality traits and it, and it had me pegged. And all of a sudden I felt comfortable not knowing what everybody else knows. I mean, I'm horrible at memorizing scripture. I can't memorize lines for anything. Mm-hmm. I mean, quotes cannot remember them. I just, that's, that's not my strength. Um, I can remember that I can get something about 80% right. And I know it's there. And I know if it's new Testament or old Testament, but I'd have to dig through Google and it, you know, I'd come up with like where it said that somewhere, but, um, so I'm very avid at, at, at looking into that stuff and always digging and trying to learn more. Um, but it, it, it's not as strong as I think it probably should be, but it's just, I think it's the nature of me and my personality of, I just question everything. Mm-hmm. So sometimes it's, as, as it relates to like F3 in my, in my faith, uh, you know, growing up, I grew up in, a, in an environment where, I was surrounded by a lot of friends that could quote scripture. I was very intimidated by that. And as a result, it always put up a wall. So I'm more comfortable that other people can do that. I can't. But I've also learned that it takes different kinds of people and faith to do, to create the strength of the faith. And that is... Yeah, there's people out there that do a lot of tithing, but don't do any volunteering. Mm -hmm. And uh, for a number of years after my divorce, I was often, I wasn't tithing money because I really didn't have any, but I was tithing time and volunteering a lot. And um, I think through F3, I've actually increased the amount of time that I volunteer and give back to the community. And I found, uh, I feel more comfortable giving both monetarily and physically through my effort to support other people. And it's something I've, I've grown much more comfortable with. Whereas before I really did because I was, I was so intimidated by it. I just kind of pushed it to the side. Yeah. Um, but I think just hanging around men that are of faith that uh, I've, I've learned that with a servant's heart, um, there is so much more joy in life. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, you know, the, the Bible teaches us that and tells us that, but then you can do, you can read these studies from the mysterious day, whether it's Harvard or Stanford, it doesn't really matter. There are studies out there that show that actually giving it's, it's, it's a, 
it releases a dopamine or a serotonin or one of those chemicals. And it's a stronger addiction than a lot of others like nicotine or sugar or alcohol. But giving provides a kind of a dopamine type hit to the body when you serve. And, and, you know, that could be a a handshake, a greeting, a smile, a warm welcome, uh, giving of your heart, your blessings, your money or whatever. Mm. Um, So F3 has done a lot helping me become a citizen. Mm. That's awesome. Got anything for him, Dial-Up? No, he's like really hit everything that uh, that we could talk about, I think. I got a so question far. for him. I got another question. Uh-oh. So uh, now we, I, we were talking before we went on the air. Uh, you, you run a lot of uh, endurance races. Um, you, you pretty much, I think you told me before you try to run like one a month. Is that about right? I try to keep, I try to keep a care, you know, whether it's a, whether it's a paid like ultra or a paid event or maybe a, a something I'm just going to do with a couple other about once a month. It's, it keeps me focused on not getting lazy. Yeah. I think he's the role model for that, that saying where someone like puts out this ridiculous idea, like let's run to one side of the Grand Canyon from the other <laughs> and then run back again. And someone says, that's a horrible idea. Yeah. Let's and do then it. they say, let's do it. Right. That's, that's <laughs> yeah. like, that's like your motto, I think. <laughs> well, okay. So to meet Bill DeBerry this year at the, at the Blue Ridge Relay, I'll have to, but that's how I got into my first ultra. And we were talking about it and he had, he had, we were talking about some things that we always wanted to do. And one of the things I wanted to do is, is, is hike run this, uh, North South trail at land between the lakes in Western Kentucky. And I'd always come up with these excuses. Most of them had to do with, I was just out of shape and drinking too much. And I was not allowing myself to get in shape because, you know, that other thing I was doing. Um, but we were talking about it. And we were training for um, a go ruck event, and we were having coffee. And he threw out, "So, like, why don't we do a a fifty k?" And I was like, "That sounds stupid, and uh, there's no way." <laughs> and but we kept talking about it, and I, you know, I'm in my head. I was thinking, "Yeah, I'll probably do this," and but I I told him no way. And then on the way home, he called me up and he's like, I got the one we're going to do. We're going to do the quest, the crest, which is it climbs the highest mountain east of the Mississippi. Um, You have to take a water filter, water purifier, because there's only two aid stations and you may run, you know, you may run out of water. And if you get hurt, you're probably going to be up there for several hours because it's going to take. And I was like, dude, I'm in. (laughs) <laughs> and uh, you know it was like a hard no uh-huh. and the like the really difficult factor I'm like yeah gotta do that yeah so before we went on uh, to record this you were talking about um, something you just did you ran 42 miles connecting the dots with all the AOs down there and you mentioned having left water bottles and you know different things at the different AOs and so that made me think that maybe you Carpex guys left a water bottle on the side of the road during the Blue Ridge relay for me <laughs> because we probably did oh. we, we, you know this you is know, a good in the, in the rules the Blue Ridge relay are out to 
opposing teams or other teams. It's actually against the rules to do that. To do what? Say and that again. I'm sorry. To, to hand out water to another or to aid another runner. Uh-huh. And, you know, the, you know, you hit those mountain goat legs and you had a mountain goat leg. So this and is if the- we see a runner like really struggling. Yeah. Okay. And we're holding water. That's like ice cold. You want this water? It's for, it's, it's you, you know, it's for you. And we give away water all the time. And then we've even like pulled over on the side of the road to help a guy out, like massage his legs out. Cause they were so cramping who the guy is. But, um, yeah. So, I was, so you got, yeah, you got, you got to hear the defib story regarding water. It's a, it's a good one. Go ahead, man. Yeah. I was on my last leg. It was a 9.4 miler and the sun had come up and it was so hot. And, and, um, I was, probably on like mile five somewhere around there and he was obeying the rules and yeah i mean and and all these vans are coming by and they're not supposed to stop and help their teammate the vans are supposed to go to the next exchange zone and they're not supposed to allow you know they're not allowed to do that but all along the way i see these runners pulling off the side of the road to their vans and they're giving them drinks and stuff and i'm running and i'm thinking oh my lord i'm so thirsty and it's hot and (laughs) my guys are waiting for me at the exchange zone they're not breaking the rules and lo and behold there was a water bottle on the side of the road (laughs) Uh, and so I thought the Lord gave it to me. So I picked it up and it was ice cold. There was a little bit missing from the top. So somebody had a little sip, but. And it wasn't yellow. Right. And it wasn't yellow. And it was really cold. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, you know, maybe it was the Carpex guys. I don't know. But all I know is I drank it and it really helped me. Yeah, but, there you go. That's awesome. <laughs> Dude, that, that's, I mean, there's several rules they have that, that you just, you know, if you got to go, you got to go. And I'm going to run clearly you're supposed to use port johns and you know it runners we all understand that nature calls sometimes um well, i broke that like rule on that same out. lake too i had to pull over off the side of the path to yeah yeah i broke that rule yeah too. <laughs> yeah <laughs> but hey we got done and, and nobody got arrested and i didn't die from that mysterious water bottle that i picked up and drank all right. Well, I don't know. I don't know about you guys, but I think, you know, this is definitely a, the definition of it, a high impact man. I think, you know, one of the messages is that when you, A, start getting right, which you described and which uh, Dread and OBT talk about and, and Dread really talks about in the, in the Q source, uh, getting right physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, uh, that's when you can start helping other people. That's when you desire to start helping, especially when you're with other guys doing the same thing. But I think one of the messages that came through loud and clear for me was the confidence that you gained. And I, I don't think that could be overstated. The amount of confidence people gain when they start doing something hard and they realize they can do it. And again, doing it with other guys that can encourage you and be with you and, and push you. Yes. But be kind to you, you know, pick up the sixes. What we talk about going back and getting the last place guy and helping them come in and, and the amount of confidence you gain from that. And I think you heard clearly from uh, Banjo's story, how that's helped him to become a better, better servant and a better servant leader. Um, that's definitely a high impact man. Absolutely. I think the other, th- the other thing, I think, I think, yeah, the other thing I'm going to mention that, that really caught my attention is he said before F3, he had maybe two or three really good friends. Yeah. And uh, I think that's probably a lot compared yeah. to a lot of men. Right. Like if you ask a lot of men in our country, how many really good friends do you have? You know, that, that know you inside and out, know the good, the bad, the ugly. You said two or three. That's probably more than most have. And, and, and the fact that you said, you know, now you've got, you know, over a hundred really good friends through F3. And so that, that, 
that really spoke to me as well as far as the the impact of of uh what what f3 has has meant to him as well and that just expands you know yeah and i hope that people that listening to this uh there's a lot of uh, takeaways but um one thing that i hope through this podcast listening to the stories of other men is that you are not alone whatever it is you're going through it's unique to you because we can't obviously walk in your shoes completely but there are other men out there who have and are struggling with addiction issues other men out there struggling with issues with their marriage other men out there struggling with their fitness uh and their overweight and food addictions and whatever you know who have gone through tragedy um losing a loved one whatever you are not alone and you don't have to be alone and i think that and you don't have, you, know, you don't have to be ashamed don't have to be ashamed right yeah so you know and that all came uh, through loud and clear uh from your story today buddy we think of you know like for instance drinking or even some you know drug use um you know it especially for those of us that are a little older we and I think the stigma is kind of going away with some of the younger generation. Um, but the thing is what you said, we've all, everybody's got something, right? It's just, some of us had one of those issues and, um, but whatever, whatever it is, definitely reach out. And, And if you're listening to this podcast, if you want to talk to me, they'll, they'll connect you. They also know other guys that can help you and, uh, or listen to you. And that, that's a big thing. Yeah. Um, if you're listening to this and want to, want to, you connected with me and I'll be happy to just listen. Um, if you want ideas, thoughts, responses, I'll do that as well. But if you just need somebody to listen with, a just a caring ear, I'm there. Yeah. Great message. Yeah, thank you. I right. wouldn't tell you right now. My email is h i l l t h at gmail dot com. That's h i l l t h at gmail dot com. So reach out to me if you want to talk to me. There you go. Thanks, awesome, man. Awesome, man. Way to be uh, uh, open and uh, and vulnerable. Really appreciate it. All right, love it. Yeah, love it. All right, till we meet again, brother. Well, it's either June or September. Uh, I'll do what I can to be there in June. If not, I will see you in September. All right. I'm not on call this time, so I will be at the Convergence. All right. We got another guy for the Convergence. Yeah. All right. Well, that wraps up another podcast. Thanks a lot, man. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. I would like to thank our guests for joining us and sharing their story of becoming a high-impact man. More information and resources can be found at highimpactman.com. If you like this podcast, please consider following us on our social media pages or email us at him at highimpactman.com. That is H-I-M at highimpactman.com. The High Impact Man podcast has a new episode every week, and you can find them on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcast platforms. Have a great week, everyone.